This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance? Or what woman having 10 coins and losing one would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me because I have found the coin that I lost. And just the same way I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat the fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am dying of hunger. I shall get up and go to my father and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours, but now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. 
That was a very long reading, wasn't it? You must be exhausted from all that standing. That is the entire 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We heard the parable of the prodigal son this year on the fourth Sunday of Lent, which was at the end of Advent, end of Lent rather. That would be fourth Sunday of Lent, which was at the end of March. Uh, So this week we're invited to enter into, I trust that you will do this this week, that entire chapter. Many people, and I think I would agree, find that 15th chapter of Luke to be the heart of the Gospel of Luke, because in this, Jesus so powerfully reveals the truth, truths, about God's merciful love. These truths do not come to us naturally. They come to us supernaturally. They're revelations from Jesus. The first people who are offered these parables are offered them because they do not understand God's merciful love. Hopefully you and I have experience of God's merciful love, but it is infinite, and so we're always meant to grow in it. We're meant to constantly, if you've been living as an active Christian for 90 years, this week when you enter into that passage, I hope you say, wow, that is true about God. I have a more limited view. This is opening up my experience of the truth. So, from 50,000 feet, you would think that human beings would welcome the merciful love of God. You would particularly think that our Jewish ancestors, who had revealed to them more about God's mercy than any other people on the planet, when Jesus comes to the world, would absolutely, or at least basically get it, and welcome him as the full revelation of mercy. That's what you'd think from 50,000 feet. At Jesus' time, our Jewish ancestors were highly aware of the fallenness of the world and their own sinfulness. They were highly aware that individually and collectively for generation after generation, they could get lost in sin. They heard revelation after revelation about God's mercy. The first reading that we just heard, that's set in the 13th century before Christ. That story would be familiar to any of our Jewish ancestors, any of them. We just prayed Psalm 51. At the time of Jesus, Jewish people had been praying that psalm for centuries. It's a psalm that recognizes God's merciful love and asks God to give us that merciful love. So mercy is not a new idea. At Jesus' time, the prophets have told our ancestors for generations that God is mercifully somehow going to save this world, is going to enter into our sin is going to somehow free us from our sin. And at Jesus' time, as you know, many faithful Jewish people are eagerly looking for this Messiah. They've been told the Messiah is coming. They're waiting for salvation. Yet, that's 50,000 feet. On the ground where human beings live, things are very different. When the Son of God, who is mercy himself, he is fully God, becomes a human being, and he enters into this sinful world, and he enters directly into the lives of deeply sinful people. Some people welcome him, particularly a lot of sinners welcome him. Other people are taken aback, and they even reject him. You know this. Ultimately, because of who he is, there are certain people who put him to death. That's the context of this 15th chapter of Luke. Gospel writer says at the beginning, tax collectors, a notoriously corrupt, sinful profession at Jesus' time, and sinners are going near to Jesus to listen to him. You know that sinners don't just listen to Jesus. Jesus plunges into their lives. He enters into the homes of sinners. He goes for table fellowship 
with the, he sits down at their tables, the most intimate thing you can do, sharing a meal with sinners. So certain scribes and Pharisees, religious leaders, say, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They're taken aback by this behavior. They should be taken aback because it's surprising to them. That's totally good. You would hope they would say, what's going on here? Instead, they're saying this in a rejecting way. They're saying, like, what gives with this guy? Well, what gives is they don't understand mercy. Who gives is Jesus. He loves them. He understands their limitations. So in this chapter, he gives them three parables to address them, people who do not understand God's merciful love. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable prodigal son parable. I'd encourage you to focus this week. It's the parable of the lost son in this chapter. It's a good way to enter into it. So this week, what do you get as you read and reflect on those three parables? What revelations do you hear about God's merciful love? I'll give you some to start you out. God entirely knows every moment of our sin, and God is entirely affected by every sinful choice we make. I'll use the word you. You were created by God because he wants you on this planet. You were created only in love. That's who God is. It's the only reason you exist. When you sin, you choose to pull away from God. God is affected because God is losing you. God doesn't become any less God, but God is losing you. God completely loves you and wants you. Why does this matter? When I tell myself my sin doesn't really matter to God, that's absolutely false, 100% false. That is the work of the devil. That's what the devil would like us to think. When I think my sin doesn't affect God, absolutely false. Very dangerously, when I tell myself or when we tell ourselves our sin is not sin, boy, then we're in trouble. That's all the more what the devil would like. What my goal should be spiritually is to understand my sin as God sees my sin. It's a very important perspective shift. Number two, when a person sins, those three parables reveal to me a sinner has a certain enhanced importance to God. Those are the best words I can come up with. You may come up with better words. The lost sheep has an enhanced importance for the owner. The lost coin has an enhanced importance for the woman. The lost son has an enhanced importance for the father. When you are, a, when you are lost in sin, I can tell you when I am lost in sin, I actually have an enhanced importance for God. God wants me back. Next one. When there, a person is lost in sin, God takes the initiative to pursue that person, even if other people or the person himself or herself does not think the person has any value or little value. When people think a lost sinner has little value or no value, one sheep has value. Out of a hundred sheep, it's a very limited value in the eyes of most people. You would say, okay, you lost one sheep, you're going to lose a sheep. 
and yet the owner goes after that sheep. One coin, the best I know from the Greek, I know in Greek the word is drachma, my best understanding is that's probably a good daily wage. One coin lost, of course that has value, but compared to all the days you can work in the year, you wouldn't be shocked if you lost a day's wage. That son is considered so unvaluable that people won't even give him the food they give to pigs. His brother doesn't even want to acknowledge that he doesn't want him in the house. When God decides to go after a lost sinner, which God does for every lost sinner, God is focused, God is unrelenting, God is unwearied, God is unconditional. Whether anybody understands this, and often when we don't understand this, so a coin can't know that the woman is coming to find him because the coin can't know. I don't, as much time as I spend in New Hampshire, I don't think that sheep understand, I don't think a sheep would understand that the owner is coming to find him. I certainly don't think, I know, the son has no idea how the father is waiting for him and looking for him and how he's going to run out to welcome him. You and I often do not understand that God even cares about us or about other lost sinners. God only pursues us actively with force unrelentingly. When a lost sinner is found and repents, there is more joy in heaven than over 99 people who are righteous, who are right with God, but have no need of repentance. This is very difficult for many of us to ex accept particularly about nasty people like Tim Tully. I cannot stand him. What um, woman would not, she loses one coin, go looking everywhere, 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 find that coin, no woman would do that. And then she goes to her neighbors and she says, come and rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. Imagine if your next door neighbor, particularly in Lawrence, knocks on your door tonight and says, come rejoice with me because I found a lost coin. You would say, I would never do this person is crazy. What shepherd would not go after the one lost sheep? No shepherd would do that. It's not a shepherd, it's the owner. No one would do that. Maybe some nut job would do it. And then when he finds his sheep, again, you gotta be in New Hampshire to relate to this. The guy comes, knocks on your door this afternoon and says, come rejoice with me, I found my sheep. Crazy person. When the father welcomes back the lost son and throws this ginormous party, his other son absolutely rejects it. We are not God. The best of our love is only growing in God. The reality of God's merciful love, that God rejoices more in everyone with God in heaven over one repentant sinner, that is the fact. I don't live that way a lot of the time, but I want to grow in that. So of course, when the Son of God comes to this world and enters into the lives of sinners, you and I should know Jesus does that because he's come to save sinners. He's entering into their lives not to approve of their sin, but to invite them to conversion, to invite them to repent and become part of living his love, to live holy lives. I'm sure in that crowd of Pharisees and scribes, there are really nasty people who end up killing Jesus, but most of them are probably limited, just like you and me. 
Jesus is the full revelation of God's love. This is absolutely new. I understand their limitations. The issue is you and me today. Do you get this? That's what I'm pushing myself on with this scripture this week, particularly in this country in 2022, where we revel, we entertain ourselves in identifying people's problems and their sinfulness, judging them as only God should judge, and condemning them. The more we do this, the more we sin that is sinful. We're backing away from God. We are unraveling. It's really important that you and I spend time with that passage this week. So just a few concluding questions like, do you understand this? You need to be able to quote that passage any day with anybody who has not heard that news. Are you a sinner who has been lost and has repented and has been reconciled with God? You need to tell people about that. Second reading today, St. Paul just says, I was the worst possible sinner on this planet. I have received Jesus's mercy. I have been reconciled. He's just sharing it with people. You need to do that. I need to do that. Or do you recognize without pretending to be God that when, you, when I recognize your sin, I should be plunging into your life. I should be at table with you to share Jesus with you, to open up who he is to you. Are you doing that? Final question, who is scandalized by your association? Who says about you these days, she welcomes sinners and eats with them. He welcomes sinners, he eats with them. What is going on? You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.